Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Market Foolery, LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. It's Wednesday, February 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined in studio by Motley Fool analysts Emily Flippin and Jim Mueller. How are we doing this Wednesday? All right. Doing great, Mac. Well, good to have you here. We're going to talk some CVS. We are going to talk some Lyft. And we are going to talk the voodoo magic that is foldable smartphones. <laughs> Samsung out with another one last year. Didn't go too well. So we'll kind of find out about the new and improved version. And more importantly, we'll talk about what it all means for investors. But we begin with the red hot stock that is Shopify. Shares up big around 12% of the time of our taping on better than expected earnings and upbeat guidance. Now, Emily, Shopify may not be a household name for a lot of people. It's an e-commerce platform, kind of a behind-the-scenes business that helps other websites operate and really allowing them to build out their online presence. And it has been a great stock. What do you think of the latest earnings? Well, if it's not on investors' radars, just because you're not familiar with the name, it definitely should be. It's one of the best-performing stocks over the past year. And when you open up that read talking about voodoo magic, my mind immediately went to Shopify's share price. Um, Shopify is a company that has really kind of proven themselves and seems to have no upper limit. They had another blowout quarter this year. That's after the stock is up something like 70% since November before this quarter. Um, so revenue grew nearly 50% year over year, um, which was supported by both the number of merchants that are selling on Shopify's platform, as well as an increase in the merchants that are using what they call merchant solutions. So Shopify isn't just a platform for these merchants. They also provide a lot of ancillary services. That's things like two-day shipping, uh, payment processing, and fulfillment. It makes the whole process really simple for merchants. Okay, so I hear you on all that. And it sounds interesting, but I look at the stock chart and I go back four years, it's trading around 20 bucks a share. Today, trading over $500 a share. So, if I'm a shareholder, should I start thinking about, you know, trimming my position a bit? And if I'm not a shareholder, is it too late? Yeah, I have to admit, this is one that I, I have struggled with as an investor. I don't like to keep I don't like price to keep me out of what I know is a great company that has a really strong future. And in my opinion, Shopify is very clearly that company. At the same point, it's hard just to see it sustaining itself at these levels um, over the short term, at least. I think if you're a long term investor, if you have that time, you shouldn't worry too much about the valuation. But I could see there being some short term pressure uh, just because the shock, the stock has had an outstanding but somewhat unwarranted run over the past six months. And let's move on to CVS. CVS reporting better than expected earnings. Jim, what jumps out at you here? What jumps out at me is that uh, the big numbers, the 32% revenue uh, for the full year of $257 billion, that's primarily from their acquisition of uh, Aetna back in November of uh, 2018. Uh, the basic business, the pharmacy services revenue, that was up 5%. The retail revenue from their stores up 3%. Those are solid numbers, but uh, the majority of the revenue gain was from their acquisition of Aetna. Cash flow was strong. I like the fact that they uh, used some of their cash flow, $4.7 billion worth. 
month to start paying down the $45 billion of long-term debt that they acquired, or that they, they brought on to, to acquire Aetna. So, I like that. That's uh, good capital management, in my opinion. Uh, I like that they're expanding the minute clinics and helping healthcare become more affordable. And Aetna is, is being integrated pretty well. The former CEO of Aetna, who had been on the board of uh, CVS, is, re- is leaving the board now, uh, now that the, in, uh, the integration is well on its way. Uh, but there was a, a phrase that kind of pricked my uh, annoyance button a little bit. In, uh-huh. in, not, not in CVS, CVS's earnings, but in the coverage of it and how it's referred to. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, in its coverage, uh, called this, the, uh, and this is for the insurance part of the business, the, uh, the medical loss ratio. Okay, the medical loss ratio. Okay, I'm with you. And this is basically the inverted, uh, uh, the upside-down gross margin for uh, insurance companies. Yeah, of, the, of the premiums they bring in, it's how much they pay out to cover the benefits uh, of the insurance, okay? And the remainder is what they get to keep. Okay. And so that's kind of like cost of goods sold for a retailer or or, or, or a manufacturer. Okay, and what's your beef with the just the Just the word loss, medical loss ratio, as, is, as if we're bringing all this money in and we're losing it. We have to pay out those pesky insurance uh, claims and we're losing it. No, the the, the insurance companies themselves don't use that, but uh, Wall Street Journal and, and frankly, the federal government uh, uses that term. Uh, CBS uses the, uh, the phrase medical benefits ratio, which is much more positive. Um, United Healthcare uses medical care. Uh, Humana uh, uses benefit expense ratio. So I don't know if that's spin or more accurate, but I like those terms better. I think you should take that up as your crusade. <laughs> I think you're just the man. Now, now, when we think CVS, I'm going to mention it in every podcast from now on. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we think CVS, I have a CVS and a Walgreens near my house, and I confess that the main reason I go to the Walgreens sometimes is there's never anyone there. And I love that I can just get in and out because it is right across from the CVS. And I should add that the CVS has been there for ages. The Walgreens is only a few years old, so they don't have the established business. But what is the biggest threat to CVS from a competitive standpoint? Is it a Walgreens or or does CVS increasingly – I mean, are they basically just – do they have the field to themselves? No, they don't have the field to themselves, but um, they are – if not the biggest, uh, one of the cer- certainly one of the biggest uh, players in the space. They yes, they have a retail store. Uh, they famously uh, stopped selling cigarettes a few years ago, which is one reason David Gardner named it a, a recommendation for Stock Advisor uh, several years ago. Um, they, they're building out the minute clinics. They have uh, the pharmacy inside. Now they have health insurance. And so they're, as a company, they're trying to be more vertically integrated and, and take care of uh, more people and make uh, health care more readily and hopefully cheap, more less expensive. Emily, what do you think? I actually have a completely different opinion. I think their biggest risk is political risk. As we see right now, 2020 heading into the elections, there's a lot of pressure on the health care system here in the U.S. And their acquisition of Aetna is actually could be argued to be anti-competitive, and it keeps prices of medications higher for consumers. So, I would say that's probably a big risk for a company like CVS. Okay, well, we will keep an eye on it. Let's move on to Lyft. Shares of the ride-sharing service down around 9% on earnings. Now, Emily, Lyft is losing money, but losses were actually smaller than expected. But unlike Uber, Lyft did not move up its timetable 
for profitability. What do you think? How dare they continue to lose money? I mean, <laughs> this really shouldn't be a surprise for any major investor um, or any investor in Lyft, I should say. These are companies that have continuously been loss leaders in terms of the amount of money that they spend to acquire customers. Uh, they want you to be able to use Lyft more cheaply than you use Uber. It's essentially a duopoly right now, and they're all just biding time until they can um, either a get the customer sticky enough that they get a little bit of pricing pricing pressure or pricing power so they can increase rates or get some more um, scale in terms of automation with their self-driving cars. But Wall Street was definitely not friendly to the aspect of, of continued losses, not moving up profitability, despite the fact that they beat on revenue and on their bottom line. Okay, and I look at the market cap here, Lyft, around $15 billion or so, Uber closer to $70 billion. So, Uber is more than four times larger than Lyft in terms of market cap. Do you have a favorite between those two as an investor? I, I like Uber better simply because they have more exposure to different markets. But in this industry, that also comes with more risk. So they have more regulatory risks in terms of the markets that they're exposed to. But Lyft is per, purely a US based play. Uber has a little bit more optionality. I think. Uh Expanding on Emily's uh, use of the word risk here, I think both companies uh, face uh, the risk that many of these gig economy companies are th- uh, facing. Is are these are, are the people driving for them? Are they employees or are they contractors and self-employed? And there's there's a lot to be argued both ways. Uh, but if if your primary job is driving for a company and they dictate to you what rides you're picking up and what what fares you're charging and so forth, uh, then it could be argued that you are an employee and therefore. Uh, labor uh, costs could go way up for both of these companies. It, de- it really depends on how the regulators uh, take a stance. The main regulation I'd like to see is banning the air fresheners. <laughs> oh, oh, they're just it's a strong opinion, Mac. Oh, they're terrible. Like the pine tree, and I mean, and it also makes me wonder, like, what are you trying to hide? Right? You would rather just that dirty car smell. I think so. I think so. Then get a I mean, taxi. I think oh. so. <laughs> oh, wow. We apologize to you all. <laughs> My email you address is. <laughs> Before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks to LinkedIn. Now, hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it shouldn't take away from your other priorities. With LinkedIn jobs, it doesn't have to. Now, I'm not looking for a job, but I was exploring LinkedIn jobs this morning at work here, and I was just struck by how relevant the job listings were to my background based on my profile. So, LinkedIn jobs are really, really great at matching qualified candidates with relevant job posts. And LinkedIn jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. No wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. So basically, in the time that I just read that sentence, (laughs) someone was hired. Oh, yeah, companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. Get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash fool. That's LinkedIn.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. And we close with the voodoo magic that is foldable phones. <laughs> Samsung unveiling its Galaxy Z Flip foldable smartphone with, yes, folding glass for the low, low price of around $1,380. Now, Jim, Samsung introduced their first foldable phone a year ago. Mm-hmm. Did not go too well. I know no. you have a Samsung phone. What do you think about the latest news here? I think the 
I, I certainly hope they have fixed the issues that they had last year that were uh, hinges breaking, the glass breaking after only a few flips. So it wasn't foldable, actually. <laughs> it was, but for not very often. Uh, now that Samsung is claiming that uh, the, the, the 7 flip can, I'm sorry, the Z, the Z flip can uh, go th- cycle through to, uh, greater than 200,000 closed and open cycles, which uh, is actually a lot. That allows about 180 uses per day for three years. Okay, so that's that's pretty robust. If it's that, a if lot that of math, up. but I'm just trying to think <laughs> about how many times math? I would Come open on. and close 180. Okay, I think that's probably that's probably enough. That's probably enough. Uh, but they also. Uh, they also uh, uh, launched their S20 um, model of smartphone, the non-foldable type, uh, or at least if you fold it, uh, you're buying a new phone. Um, but the, the, the financial news is kind of ridiculing Samsung here because they went straight from the S10 to the S20. Where's the S11, the 12, the well, 13, all the well, way? Well, maybe it's twice as good. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, uh, at least, at least iPhone went from X or ten up to eleven. But uh, maybe iPhone's next iteration is going to be the double M for two thousand or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just caught up the fact that I have a time limit on or a, a amount that I can apparently flip the flip phone. I'm not sure if I want a phone that will eventually just die on me, depending on how often. So I you're flip skeptical because well, you're shaking I your head. I just don't like okay, I don't so like arbitrary you know limits so to you're, my phone. You're greater than two hundred thousand. User, there, right? there is there is a real possibility that I would flip my phone two hundred thousand times in a year. Wow. So okay. anyway, getting back to your question about twice is better, <laughs> uh, Mac. Uh, the the specs are pretty impressive. Uh, they have four cameras on the back uh, that can do a wide variety of things depending on which version you get. Uh, they have a pretty good zoom on the ultra. The zoom is ten x optical and hundred x digital. And but that's uh, as one uh, author in the Wall Street Journal wrote. I think it was the Wall Street Journal wrote. That's kind of scary because you can just hold it up and zoom in and read the text on a piece of paper several feet away. Wow. So think think about that if you're the target. Um, one thing I do like is uh, Google's video conferencing is built into their their phone system. So you have the choice of either a voice mail, voice talk or or a video talk, uh, which is pretty cool. And they, all phones have some 5G connectivity, though that uh, is still being rolled out by the carriers and is spotty at best. The, the, the high-speed stuff, what they call millimeter wave, it doesn't penetrate into buildings, and so it's not very useful yet. That's a tech problem that's going to have to be solved. But uh, the, the, lower stu- the, the slower speed is not going to be much noticeable unless you're really using it. Uh, so... Okay, but, so if I had to characterize your overall mood, is it cautiously optimistic, eh, pessimistic? Where are we? I'm I'm wondering where the industry is going as a whole. I think they're gonna uh, they're starting to repeat, or have already started to repeat, what the computer manufacturers ha- uh, went through a couple of decades ago. In that the the hardware got so good it was good enough, and there was little reason to upgrade. Uh, that we've had three years in a row of declining annual sales of smartphones around the world. Uh, just which indicates that the tech is is really good enough, and people are not upgrading every year or every two years. I've had my own phone for three years. You've had your your what iPhone two or something? Yeah, yeah. No, I had it was actually a coconut. Where no, <laughs> no, I finally upgraded. But yeah, that to, to that point, I guess the question is: Does the foldability is that does that really solve a problem? No, I don't think so because the glass on the regular phone is already. Uh, Gorilla Glass uh, uh, from Corning or, or, or an equivalent in that it's very scratch-proof and uh, hard to break unless you drop the phone. And that's going to affect the foldable phone, too. I mean, 
I grew up with Motorola razors, right? And <laughs> I like this as an opportunity for me to relive those glory days. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 all coming back. Well, let's close with our desert island question. You're on a desert island, and for the next five years, you can only own one of these stocks: Shopify, CVS, Lyft, or Samsung. That's not even a discussion. I would go Shopify. Wow! Even 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 at its kind of rich valuation, it's had an incredible run up, but you're still there for Shopify. For what it's worth, I think you can argue that all of those companies you just mentioned, maybe the exception of CVS, have rich valuations, and okay. I think Shopify has the greatest potential out of all of them. Okay, I was just playing devil's advocate. For <laughs> I'm I'm tempted by Shopify, but the valuation or the price, I should say, I think is overpriced for for what it's doing mm-hmm. uh, at at current prices. So I'll go CVS. Okay. You're going to go CVS, even though you're very much bothered by the term medical loss ratio. But CVS itself doesn't use that phrase. Oh, okay. At least not okay. in, not in uh, the current reports. Okay. Fair, fair point. Fair point. Well, Jim and Emily, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. Matt Greer, thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.